Baloney! Not today, Satan! Tell me, what do you do successfully? Quickly! Yes, you've got it. It's Miss Bianca Del Rio, the Queen of Hate. And it has to be said, the most successful queen to ever come from Drag Race. I mean, come on, who else is headlining Wembley? And yes, on United Queendom, we gave you a taste of our chat with Bianca previously, talking about Drag Race UK. But now we've decided to be generous in 2020 and give you the whole chat. Enjoy! Oh, and by the way, if you want to know when you should rate, review and share this episode, today, Satan! Here it is! United Queendom! Hello? Hello! Hey, you okay? I am okay. Oh, good. Whereabouts are you at the moment? I'm currently in London. Uh, I was just in Brighton last night, so I am here doing press today, and then I jet back off this evening to Birmingham. We call it Birmingham in America, so I had to say it fast. If not, I was going to sound like a foreigner. <laughs> Birmingham. Yeah, fast as possible. Bir- Birmingham. Birmingham, that's where I'm going, Birmingham. <laughs> um, I spoke to you last, um, I think it was about two years ago, and you were already doing so many amazing things, but I mean, it's gone even crazier since then. Um, could Do you think you could have predicted all the things that you've done in the last two years? Oh, God, no. I mean, it's been a wild ride. I mean, to think that these opportunities are even available or accessible is insane. So much credit obviously goes to the, you know, the platform, which was getting to do Drag Race that kind of opened yeah. everything up. And also a huge thank you to all of the horrible drag queens that came after me that just make me look better. <laughs> well, and all the horrible drag queens that came before you as well. So it's... Uh... Yes, those two, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's amazing because um, I know you joke about it, but you are kind of um, making more opportunities for more drag queens because you're doing things at the moment that no one's done before. And by doing that, you open the doors. So do you feel... Kind kind of um does that make you feel good well i mean you know it's rare that i even think of anyone else but it is interesting <laughs> when you're in that predicament you, you just kind of go wow like you know the assumption that i would get to do carnegie hall or they get the opportunity to do wembley i didn't think that was even an option um so even the wembley situation wasn't for vanity purposes it stemmed from a business perspective because i had done a show last year i'd done my show for three nights that were sold out and yeah. it was 3300 seat capacity each night so mathematically they said well let's just go to a larger venue because it makes more sense so that's kind of how that happened it wasn't me going i want to play wembley and let's make it happen um <laughs> it just kind of evolved from a business aspect of it so i mean all of that does become surreal so the initial conversation was like okay then it was the finalizing of it all with like oh shit and then i went to the actual venue to take some photos and thought oh fuck <laughs> so <laughs> it was a natural progression um so I, I'm grateful for it, but to, to, I mean, I'd be a liar if I said it wasn't daunting. Of course, it, it daunts. It's daunting, and it should be daunting. It's a big deal. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, when you're on a stage like that, does it feel different, or do you just, does it feel at home? Because you, you've done your show, you know what you're doing, but is it different yeah. with a bigger audience? Well, I think that just throughout my life, with all the inconsistencies and the craziness and the lead-ins and the travel and, you know, the good days and the bad days, the only time I do feel comfortable is on stage. I mean, I know it sounds absolutely insane, but truly, that's the only normality I have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is is that maybe because that's the only time you're fully in control? Because when you're on stage, like, you, you are the master of everything that goes on, aren't you? 
Yeah, yeah, and also it, it's one of the few times that I'm alone. I mean, when you're alone in the space, uh, <laughs> besides sleeping, uh, it's really that you're kind of alone doing your thing. It's like I can talk so I'm blue in the face with people about, should I do this, should I do that, I could do this, and, and, and overthink it, and what hair, and what this, but once you're out there, you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants by yourself. Yeah. So I, I thoroughly enjoy that. Now, I'm not going to go climb Mount Everest or anything. I'm not that fucking crazy. But, <laughs> um, you know, you pick your battles here. <laughs> <laughs> well, when... Um... I've I've seen you live before and it's amazing, but you you're very good at um, obviously interacting with the audience. Does that get a lot harder when the audience is so big? So it's less intimate. No, well the the super advantage is um, is that with with every show that I do, I always do the meet and greet before the show. So yeah. there's usually 150 to 200 people that I will actually meet and figure out who they are and find out their their quips and their problems and who's with an ex boyfriend and who's with their mother in law uh, and all of their problems. So it makes it a lot <laughs> more fun for me in the show. And luckily, those are usually the first ten rows, you know, six yeah. or ten rows of each theater. So that's always great. And really, that's all I can see <laughs> on those first few rows, just because of the capacity and my eyelashes. So they think they're having a nice moment with you, but you're scouring for things to make Completely. fun of. Completely. <laughs> Taking notes. Taking notes. It's just like drag race all over again. I'm listening and then we'll use it against them. <laughs> <laughs> and are you going to be doing kind of, are you going to televise any of these uh, big shows and like maybe do a deal with Netflix or anything like that? Well, there's, there's always talk of that, um, and there's been talk of it, so we are documenting, but it's a yeah. question of what I'm doing with it after, because obviously everything's kind of up in the air, because, you know, that's the world we live in. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those things where they say, okay, do it, get it to us, give us what you want, and then we can make magic after that. So yeah. definitely, we have to document. And um, as, as I said, you are the first person in your industry to do some of the things that you're doing and I just wondered even though it might be not a humble question to answer but why do you think it is that you are managing to do these things before anyone else has managed to do them? Well I think people's perception of drag has been one thing. I think that um, for over the years I mean people drag obviously has existed way before me and Drag Race and RuPaul and all of that magic. But I think, as I was saying, with social media and the world, everything is at everyone's fingertips, so it's accessible now that everybody looks at it and says, okay, I like this, I don't like this, I don't like her face, I don't like that, I don't like this joke. That just all kind of comes with the territory. But I think um, by me not caring, I'm not here to please everyone, yeah. uh, has kind of made me stand out from the others. Because uh, a lot yeah, of that's younger true. people in particular are, are concerned about public image and being liked by everyone. And I'm aware... I'm an adult and I'm aware that everybody's not going to like me and I'm okay with that. (laughs) Um, Well, there's power in that. (laughs) Well, I think it's just the reality of it. I mean, like, come on. I mean, if anyone in the UK is concerned about me, really, you've got Brexit and Theresa May dancing. Those are bigger (laughs) fucking issues than me. You know, in America, we've got Trump, for Christ's sake. I mean, that is an endless bubble of sense to deal with. So... I think I think it's just look. You either take me or leave me, and and I'm okay with that. That's just part of the game. And I was going to ask about about British fans. Do you feel like you have a, a your humor has a special affinity with them? Because I do feel like even though you're American, there's something a bit British about your performance that we connect I think with. I, well- I agree, I, and I didn't realize that until I've been around here. I've mean, been here quite a few times, but just been around them enough to realize, oh, they're they're a little more straightforward and honest than I am. I think in America we dick people around a little too much, <laughs> but yeah. I think here very straightforward and it's either funny to them or not, and they move on. And I yeah. think that's great. It's one of the reasons why I think I gravitate. 
Mm-hmm. And your um, your name has been mentioned. I don't know if this is just a rumor, because uh, there's all the new franchises coming out, and there's Drag Race Australia, and your name was kind of mentioned as a potential <laughs> host of that. You and Courtney Act. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's hysterical. I think, look, I, really, I think whoever was at that publication or whoever was at <laughs> publications knew nothing about Drag Race and just googled drag queens and stuck our faces on some article. That's uh-huh. what everybody. I mean, if you every article, this is what I find so fascinating about social media and blogs and interviewers I guess I shouldn't say this because I'm talking to you but it's fascinating <laughs> it wasn't the me. shit they come up with it's like you hear some it's just basically a gossip on a blog I, I think it's lovely so just for the sake of the interview and making it sound great yes I'm going to host all of them yes I'm going to do I'm going to race North Korea get ready <laughs> I don't think you'd last very long there you don't know how long I'll last <laughs> <laughs> You bring them to the Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many people would be happy to send me to North Korea? I mean, let's be real. Um, and, well, you are, you are good friends with Courtney Act, and she does seem like an obvious choice, which is probably why she's being mentioned a lot for the Australian one. But she also kind of doesn't seem to want to be associated with the, um, <clears throat> with the franchise anymore. C- can you see her um, getting over that or... Well, look, I think in the, in the world of show business, anything can happen. I mean, anything is possible. I never thought I would do Drag Race. I never thought I'd win Drag Race. I never thought I'd get to do Carnegie Hall. I never thought I'd have this interview with you. Anything can happen. So I, I Is this the highlight? No, I'm, I'm just fascinated that this is, you know, that it becomes a story. I think it's great that they're doing it in Australia. But, you know, Courtney Act doesn't even live in Australia right now. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean you can't do something if you don't live there. Yeah. Um, but, um I just laughed at this series of lists and speculation, and yet none of us know anything. So <laughs> that's what's really great about the business of it. It's quite comical to us. I even posted a photo of us because they had all three, me, Courtney, and Adore hosting it at one point. So I thought this article's quite well, I would love post. that. I would get a cheer. Next thing, I'll run for president. All the above. Well, it couldn't get worse, so... It couldn't get worse. No, I've said it before. I said if they wanted a second-rate reality star that was a clown that knows nothing about presidency, they could have had me. <laughs> At just... least my hair's better. <laughs> Same color, but it's better. You you said just said you'd never expected to win Drag Race. When, when you were cast, did you not expect to? Because it felt watching like you did. Well, you're also seeing the edit after yeah. we did it, you know? Um, that's their narrative of it. I mean, remember, you're in this, this little world when you're filming it for five, five and a half weeks, I think, or six weeks in total. Um, so it's a blur. And you're also not privy to any information. You're not aware of what people are talking about in their confessionals. You don't know who's got the backstory. You don't know who was left at the bus stop. You don't know who's dying. <laughs> so those things, I think, play a huge part in the show. So since I, didn't, I wasn't left at a bus stop and I wasn't dying, I didn't think I stood a chance. I was just happy for the experience. Oh, well, it seemed watching like you were so confident you just um, you just blasted the well, competition. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I, I, was, I was happy to do the competition, but I think, you know, you fail to realize it's a reality show. And so there's this other part that, that plays a huge impact. And I knew I didn't have a sob story, so I didn't know how that was going to work. Also, I had come off of a season. I came on a season where Jinx had won the season before with the you know, uh, the My Sad Life, Ugly Duckling, Everyone's Picking on Me story. Yeah. <laughs> so I just assumed I would be the other version. I would be the pick on everyone. 
Well, I think it was definitely partly your storyline with the doll, wasn't it, that you were helping her? I think that's what oh, kind sure. of they liked that whole. Which, not saying it wasn't genuine, but I think that's when it. No, seemed like I mean, we... well, that's what happens. You know, every you know, over the years, when you're in a dressing room, someone needs eyelash glue, you have it. Someone needs, you know, a wig, you lend it. So that's the reality of show business, and definitely drag in particular. Everyone thinks we're in a room cackling and fighting. Uh, actually, we're cackling and laughing with one another. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, making fun and reading everybody, that's what we do. Well, especially you, of course. Uh, uh. Um. <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't believe some of these bitches. A lot of these ones that claim to be activists and so kind and so wonderful in the world, you should see the shit they text me. They're <laughs> horrible people. <laughs> did you, and I love every minute of it. <laughs> At least I'm an honest, horrible person. How did you find your experience um, being in Everybody's Talking About Jamie? It was an amazing experience. I mean, I come from a musical theater background, so to have the opportunity, I mean, let's be real. Someone calls you from the West End and says, hey, we'd like you to do a stint. I'm like, well, fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, so it, it's 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 humbling, you know, because you these are people that perform and work very hard their entire lives to get these opportunities. So I was beyond grateful to get to do it. And the cast was wonderful and, and amazing. And it was also just a very fitting part. I was a elderly drag queen who was bitter (laughs) (laughs) and trying to nurture someone else can you imagine (laughs) such a stretch such a stretch artistically (laughs) did you um get any advice from michelle visage because she'd done it just before you hadn't she about yeah in concretely we were not doing the same role but yes um yeah, yeah, I mean, her main thing was she was there in the in the winter and she basically said, you know, take care of yourself. You don't realize eight shows a week is quite a lot. Uh, and she was yeah. right. You know, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, sickness, you're, you're trapped with people in a venue <laughs> for hours a, on a day, you know, eight times a week that um, it can be, it can take a toll on you physically. So she's like, you know, take care of yourself, um, which I thought was, you know, smart. And once I got there, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be fine. A weekend, I'm like, <laughs> so. <laughs> That's just what happens. And uh, how do you think she's going to get on on Strictly Come Dancing? Are you very aware of the show? I have no clue how she's going to turn out. I just can't wait to watch. Like I've said before to other people, I'm just fascinated to see someone who spends their life judging others to see her get judged. That brings (laughs) me such joy. (laughs) As a true friend would say. (laughs) Well, it's our biggest show here, so she's definitely going to be massively in the limelight more than... Yeah, I think, look, look, come on, I'm excited. I, you know, she's a hustler like I am. She'll go out, she'll put in the work. So I'm just excited to see it all. You know, I, I, I love the whole aspect of it. Costumes, wigs, and attitude, I'm in. <laughs> and speaking of your hustle, um, you've had success with the first two Hurricane Bianca films. Is there going to be a third? Is it going to complete yes. the trilogy? There is. Yes, we are. We are working. Uh, they've really written it, and we're hoping to squeeze it in next year. Uh, with the schedule, once again, it's just sorting out where I'm going to be and what I'm doing. Um, you know, and with those types of things, since it's an independent film, it's really kind of like, okay, one minute, this is not going to happen. The next minute, everything's happening. We've got the money. We shoot tomorrow. So um, it's kind of like my aspect of it. I've given them my schedule to know any possibilities that I could do it. Then we work out to see what can happen. And, and when it can happen. It will happen. Just don't know when it's going to happen. We're hoping to do it next year. And will you have any more of your fellow Rue girls in as you have previously? Anyone you haven't had uh, yet? Well, yes. Well, according to the script, um, there everyone that was have been in the first and the second do return. Uh, and there's also some new ones that will be joining as well. Uh, that's what's written on the page. Now it's wrangling all those bitches to see who can be where. I mean, Shangela is always a toss-up because you don't know where she's going to be. Willem, of course, can do it this time because she doesn't have much work. So we'll figure that out. She's always available. 
<laughs> yeah, she is. That's true. Yeah. Um, and you were recently um, in a bit of a, well, I wouldn't call it a feud, but you were in an exchange with um, the recent winner, Evie Oddly, on Twitter um, about a controversy she caused about having pictures with fans. Um, what did you make of all that? Were you taking it all quite lightly well, or to you? Well, I think it's ridiculous to call it a feud. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a feud. My thing is, if, you know, uh, her statement basically made me laugh because it was about this ridiculous analogy about, you know, being a chef and running out of ingredients, which I thought, just say what you got to say, bitch. And <laughs> she basically said that she was... She had done a meet and greet and she did not and refused to take photos with people after the show because they didn't pay. That yeah. was the tweet. That yeah. was the basis of the tweet. I am not taking pictures with people after because I'd already done a meet and greet. Now, to me, that's ridiculous. So my response was, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. Because people will find you to take a picture. And generally, it's it's when you're out and about, when you least expect it. Good luck. And then she decided to get sassy, which made me laugh even more. And so... Which is why my response were literally, good fucking luck. This is how it works. You know, you've been at this for two months. <laughs> You'll survive. That's what I thought. You know, and then, of course, everyone else comes in with, with all yeah. their other madness, which had nothing to do with her tweet, uh, which was then everybody saying, you know, uh, about her illness and she's tired. Well, great. But then don't tweet that because that's a stupid fucking tweet. You tweet that and you're going to have people that are going to say something. That's how social media works. Yeah. <laughs> and did you... Um... Well, did you two get the chance to continue the conversation not on social media or, or was it left there? Oh, God, no. I don't know the bitch. No, I don't know her. I've never <laughs> been in a room with her. My point was you write something that ridiculous, of course. And my favorite is when people say, well, who are you to say anything? Possibly the most uh, knowledgeable person on this situation because I've been <laughs> in the situation. Uh and so, look, I mean, it's one of those things. Also, everybody thinks because you've been on a television show that we all know each other. I was just scrolling and saw a tweet and thought, oh, God, what a stupid statement. Good luck, girl. Mm -hmm. As anybody from Drag Race will tell you, you know, they hunt you down. They find you. They figure out where you're staying to get a photo. And that's usually all they want. So just do the photo and move on. That's yeah. what I do. And do you... This is what works. This is what works for me. Uh, so yeah. that's just why I was laughing at the whole situation. But I, I don't know the girl, you know, <laughs> I've met her publicly. So, you know. Well, I read um, and uh, when you interviewed Adore, um, and uh -huh. you, you were both talking about um, how the show is so different now from when you were on it. Uh, do you yep. feel like that also reflects in sort of um, who's coming out of the show and their attitudes towards fame? Is that an example of that or...? Well, I think, uh, I think look, uh, everything evolves. I think the show has evolved to a larger audience. I think that the show also, say, six seasons ago, obviously influenced a group of younger queens who are now on the show. Yeah. So it's a different vibe. Um, I, I'm grateful that I was on a season where a lot of us were seasoned queens. We had worked in bars. We knew what it was like. We had gigs for $50. Some of us for many years. Some of us for a couple of years. And I think it just changes the trajectory of it all. Um, but... You know, with everything, it evolves. I mean, there's people that, that will look at a television show and say, you know, I really loved the first season of Survivor. But after that, I didn't like that. So I guess it's just a matter of taste. So yeah. if it doesn't evolve, then I don't think you'd have the viewers or the interest. And who am I to say that it's not better now than anyone else? I mean, they're winning trophies and adding more, fran more to the franchise. Obviously, someone likes it. Yeah. And yeah. And the... Um... And the last time I interviewed you, I asked the question you must get asked all the time, which was about a winner's season. You said you would do it for a million dollars. 
But since yeah. then, you've had even more success. Would it still be a million dollars, or as you're? No, <laughs> yeah, not interested. <laughs> not even for I'll a million. I'll move it up to ten. It'll ten million. Ten million for me to do it now. No, I just, <laughs> you know, I've said this, I've said this a million times to people. It's like, what a great opportunity it was. I had a lovely time, but I, ref- it's like asking someone, "Do you want to go back to high school?" No, I'm not interested. I got my diploma. I'm done. Uh, and, and you know, to other people that may enjoy it, sure. But but uh, you know, I had a great experience, and I'm not going to ruin that by going back on television. No, I, it was lovely. It was great. I I very happy with the results. <laughs> uh, you just keep moving. You know, if everyone, if all the other winners competed and you weren't in it, who do you think would win? Who would be your? Tip? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> it's not the best answer. <laughs> they can all go back. I don't give a fuck who wins. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> It doesn't, you know, come on. That, that's like, I don't know. I don't I don't know what the right formula is. And obviously, if they won their season, they knew what they were doing then, which yeah. totally proves my point. If they were good in their season, why put them together with those other people? That's crazy. Yeah. Look at the people that have done All-Stars and gone back. Trust me, it, only one person will benefit. Everyone else is then going to complain about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, no, it's very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and w- are you going to be able to watch Drag Race UK? Are you, are you wanting to watch it? Well, I'm excited because I know four girls that are on it. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if I know how to stream it and find it, that's always the hardest part for me because I'm geriatric. Um, <laughs> I don't even have a Netflix account because it's too complicated. So if I can get to see it, but the great thing also is social media, then, you know, there'll be some bootleg version of it online that I can find out or just read people's comments and I'll know who to hate. <laughs> and you um obviously you've worked here a lot so you know a lot about british drag in what way do you expect it will be different from the american show well i think it has to be different from the american yeah. show and anybody who doesn't think it's going to be different is stupid uh it has to be different because the, the entertainment pool is different and which is probably one of the reasons why uh, i'm a little more attracted and can relate to the girls here is because they have a live act a majority of them either sing or they or they're uh, actors or performers or or you know uh, they're comedians which in america it's a little more of the lip sync era Um, not to say that they aren't the same people. I'm just mean that generally you had an act and you worked in a club or you worked in a pub and you did shows. So I I appreciate that on a level, um, not to say that I don't appreciate people lip syncing is that I can relate to that more. So I am excited to see their talents and obviously they're going to have to cater to that talent to make their show successful. Yeah, that's what everyone's saying, that we're confident in the UK about performance, but they're worried that we can't do glamour or turn looks, whereas obviously on your season you could do both. Do you think that the... Oh, no. Uh... no, actually, on, on American season, sometimes that's all they do, is give glamour, because there's True. no substance. <laughs> yeah, but you, you were one of the ones who obviously could were versatile in both. Do you think well, that... Well, I'm not um... glamour. I'm not a glamour girl, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that... Um, our British queens might surprise viewers and end up being able to turn more looks than uh, people are expecting? Well, I hope so, because that's a requirement. You know, I mean, not everybody can go on a show with the same dress and every color like I did. (laughs) (laughs) And still won. It's been done. (laughs) And um, uh, who would you like to see be impersonated on um, the Snatch Game that the UK does? Because that's what a lot of people are excited about. Okay, but before I answer that, I gotta let you know they're yelling at me to wrap this up. So, um, I'm saying, um, um, uh, who are they gonna impersonate? Uh, oh, I'd love to see them impersonate the cock destroyers. <laughs> That's your latest thing <laughs> that, that Americans are fascinated with. <laughs> I think the cock destroyers would be lovely. I mean, it would probably not all the footage couldn't air, but that I would love to see. And uh, do you think RuPaul will understand all of the British sense of humor? 
if RuPaul doesn't understand all this sense of humor, she'll pay someone to understand it. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and as she's a- got enough money; she could pay someone to understand it for her. Uh, no, I think I think you sell yourself short. I think Ru is actually Ru is one of those few people that actually enjoys anything funny. Uh, yeah. She when she starts laughing, it's over. So uh, come on, she's not an idiot. I think she knows what she's doing. And uh, you uh, you know all the people who are on this on the first season, but are there any tips you have for UK queens that you'd like to see on future seasons, assuming it goes on for a long time? No, I think I, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend anybody doing the second season until they see the first season, see if it works for them. I think that's the big problem. I think when you when you do drag, so many people spend their time circling the globe, going, "Well, when are you going to do Drag Race?" It's not for everyone. If you see it and it is, it works for you, and you think, "Hey, this is something I want to take part of," go and do it. But I would be the last person to suggest or recommend someone doing it if it's not for them. We've seen many people that weren't right for it mentally, uh, or in their mind, or or in their careers to go on and tackle the show, and it ended up being disastrous so i think uh i think watch it see if you can relate to it see if you see yourself and other people and if you're up for the challenge it's a lot harder than you think yeah i think a lot of um queens are holding back they didn't apply for the first season because they're doing just that watching it and seeing how it goes so i think um yes yeah i think that might be wise (laughs) well uh thank you so much for talking to me bianca it's a pleasure as always um and i'll let you go now and i can't wait to come and see you at wembley soon I uh, will see you there. Wembley, Wembley, Wembley. I'll see you. I'll be the one with the wig on. <laughs> of course. Right, I'll see you Thanks. soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.